you can concentrate on being perfect so much until it takes the joy out of the process. Life is hard. We all have struggles. We all have the goals and aspirations. But if you stress out about being perfect all the time, you never have joy because nothing you do is ever good enough. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 54. Today, I want to talk about perfectionism, the danger of perfectionism. We all want to be great, whether it be in a relationship, whether it be professionally, whether it be in a sports endeavor. We all want to succeed. We all want to be great. But there can be danger in wanting to be perfect. No one is perfect. No one on this earth has ever been perfect except Jesus. When I was growing up, I grew up in a small town in Mississippi, Brookhaven, Mississippi. That's about an hour from Jackson for those of you who have never heard of it between Macomb and Jackson, about two hours from New Orleans. My mother was the epitome of excellence. She had been her whole life. So she always instilled in me the quality to be great, whatever I did in life. So I always aimed for perfection as a child. My mother, even before I existed, was a band director. She was a high school band director, and her band was amazing. She played with college bands such as um, Southern, Gremlin, was even on uh, TV. She instilled in her students excellence. They worked to make those formations perfect. They work to make the sound superb. My mother always used to tell me and my brother stories about when she was in school, when she was a band director, and I heard stories from some of her students. My town is small and everyone knows each other. So my mother used to tell us all these stories and as a lot of children, They think it's just stories, and they don't believe that their parents (laughs) were great in their younger years. Before my mother passed away, her students gave her this big program. They gave her her flowers while she still was alive. I heard all these stories, and I thought, she wasn't just telling us stories. She was great. (laughs) So I really understood how great she was. They even named the band hall after her 
It's a junior high now, Alexandria Junior High School. Ben Hall is named after my mother, May Robinson Brown. They also have a, a case with pictures and different accolades. So she always was great. And she instilled that in her students. And after she finished her band directing or music career, her formal career, she became a counselor. But she also taught piano at her home. And I remember hearing her fuss <laughs> at her students, Matt, trying to make sure that they were playing correctly. Many of her students went on to play at churches, to major in music, to actually teach music. Even some of her students, non-related to music, one of her um, former students from a community college she worked at called Colin actually went and played, put it in a fell. And they kept in touch over the years. So all of her students that I know became great in different aspects in life. So as I was a child growing up in Brookhaven, Mississippi, we moved there when I was eight. I always wanted to make all A's. I always wanted to make 100 on every test I took, which was a little unreasonable. It got to the point where it caused a lot of stress. I did well in school, but I was stressed. I I had an ulcer, I believe, in the 8th or ninth grade due to stress. Because I don't think it's normal for a child to have a peptic ulcer. In junior high school. Again, I did well. I graduated uh, salutatorian from my high school. I decided to go to Florida A&M University and major in physical therapy. Physical therapy is very competitive. But I felt that my high school education was great. I took a lot of AP courses. Um, I remember in order to get into basic Chemistry class, you had to do a, a performance test in order to test out of the, I think they had a preliminary or um, preliminary chemistry class before the primary course if you didn't test because I guess the course was very hard and some students had problems in it. So they had a um, preliminary course. So in order to get into the primary chemistry course, so I took the test and I tested out. And then I have to take the preliminary chemistry course. I did well in school, and but my goal was not only to do well, I wanted to be great, and I wanted to make sure I got into physical therapy school. And I also wanted to have a life. So I was involved in several activities on campus. I actually ran for a student senate, and I won. I um, was a peer counselor, which is an interesting story how I became a peer counselor. <laughs> I also wanted to, to pledge, so I knew my grades had to be great, and I had to be um, involved on campus and with the organization I was interested in, which was Delta Sigma Theta, which I ultimately did pledge. But... It was a lot to go from high school to college. I remember my first biology test. I did okay, but it was different from high school. I remember telling my mother, 
that they even ask questions about stuff that you read under captions. And I didn't pay as much detail as I should have to some other captions. And I missed a few questions related to this one caption. So I had to step up my study game, which stressed me out. I remember I was on my way to algebra. So I was driving in the parking lot. I was going maybe five miles at that much. And I hit this person. She just stepped out of nowhere. I don't know. She wasn't paying attention. I wasn't paying attention. But she was fine. I just shook her. And I, and I was freaked out. I went to class and I broke down in class. And people were like, are you okay? And then I wound up going to student health. And I felt like I was having a nervous breakdown. Sought out counseling on campus. And I used to go to this counseling center on campus maybe once a week. And that's how I became a peer counselor. It kind of helped me relax and not feel so overwhelmed in my new environment. But I continued on and was successful. I got into physical therapy school. I um, actually won my Senate seat, but I had to resign because after I got into um, physical therapy school, We had class during the time that they held sessions, so I had to resign. I remember right before getting into physical therapy school, I got into physical therapy school my junior year. One of the instructors gave us this long lecture about how we need to be focused, which I always was, and how we wouldn't have a life to call our friends, to call our family, basically to say goodbye. And I went back to my place and cried because my goal in college was to be well-rounded, to, to do well in school, but to have a life. And I figured like my life, my college life, my life would be over. So that stressed me out. So I got into Episcopal Therapy School and it was really intense, but I did have a life. It was my junior year and that's the year I pledged to. So I had additional stress on top of that. I remember struggling to keep my grades up, struggling to stay awake in class particularly when I was online. The semester after I pledged was the hardest because I was trying to juggle my physical therapy classes, juggle my responsibilities in the sorority, juggle just regular college life. And I remember the semester after my my pledge, I made all B's and they were close to C's because I've never made a C in my life. And I remember I was, one night I was studying in the lab for gross anatomy with the cadavers. And one of my friends was supposed to meet me to study because I was way behind. But she, some came up and she couldn't meet me. So I was in the lab by myself. I think what eight dead bodies. And someone had left, they had a radio in the lab, left it on real low. And I kept hearing these noises. And I'm like, okay, is, is, is a dead body going to basically, <laughs> is it possessed? Is it going to they come out <laughs> and get me? Then I finally realized it was the radio and calmed down because I was really freaking out for a minute. I'm like, what's this noise in this cadaver lab? And I also remember taking my practical examination and one of my instructors, Dr. Bell, may he rest in peace. He looked at me and he said, you look awful. Do you want to take your practical later? I was like, no, please no. I want to get this over with. <laughs> I think that was like one of my last exams. I'm like, no, please. And then I stepped that year as well. And stepping was hard for me because I really I overthink everything. And I just dancing is usually natural for people. You know, that step or have one, two, three, 
I analyze everything. So it was really hard for me <laughs> to get the steps, but I did it. And I, <laughs> I think I was okay in the step show. I didn't mess us up. And you can tell that I was off or I wasn't, but you, <laughs> I didn't look different than anyone else when I stepped on a step show. Season four, we will continue the segment as the doc. If you have any muscular skeletal questions, please go to my website, click on the link, leave voice message, leave your question and select questions will be answered on the segment. So after college, I worked as a physical therapist and then I decided to go to medical school. And that stress was really overwhelming because I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. To be an orthopedic surgeon, you have to be the top of the class. I had to make honors in surgery. So it's just so much stress. It's just so much stress in life. And I talk about the danger of perfectionism because as a surgeon, I remember in many cases, my attendant always used to say, the enemy of good is better. You can concentrate on being perfect so much until it takes the joy out of the process. Life is hard. We all have struggles. We all have the goals and aspirations. But if you stress out about being perfect all the time, you never have joy because nothing you do is ever good enough. You never celebrate the achievements. You always concentrate on what's not good and what's not perfect. So it's a never-ending battle. I found myself in these situations in life, and it caused me to the point, again, when I almost had a nervous breakdown. And I also find it in my athletic endeavors. I used to not want to do things because I didn't think I was good enough. Fear of failure can be related to perfectionism. You don't think that you're going to be good enough. You're going to be perfect enough. So you don't even try it. So it prevents you from experiences from joys that you would not normally get to experience. I remember as I started my running journey, I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to run the fastest. I wanted to run with the A group, quote unquote. But I was a average to slow runner. I'm slower now. I don't really care. But I wanted to be fast and I wanted to PR every race. And it got me into this cycle of overtraining. And then I have a lot of injuries. And then instead of me improving slowly, gradually, enjoying the process, I was always injured. So it's like I took two steps forward and three steps back. So in the end, my quest, my aim for this perfect run caused me harm and an injury. I've been running since 2010. And I started doing triathlons in... 2018. I always wanted to do one when I lived in Philadelphia. This is when I first started running, but I couldn't swim. I took swimming lessons as a child. I talked about this in a previous episode. It was a 
how to start my triathlon journey. Mr. Tanner, he taught everybody in my hometown to swim. <laughs> and they used to throw us in the deep end and I made it to the shower. So evidently I could swim technically, but I hated it. I hated getting up early in the morning. I hated having to get my hair done. I hated feeling water go up your nose, that burning feeling. I hated the, the fear and apprehension I felt. So I think that was part of the reason I never really swam. I mean, I'd go and get in the water and I'd go on trips and I'd snorkel, but I had a life vest on. So I felt I was okay, but I, I couldn't swim. I took swimming lessons when I was in Philly, but I really didn't learn how to swim. I could do a little something, but I was had to hold onto the rope of the wall. So that's not swimming. So, but I always want to do a triathlon. That was on my bucket list. But I was scared. The fear of swimming, the fear of failure kind of consumed me. What made me bite the bullet was my godson. He texted me about a race on Saturday, and this was Wednesday. So I got a text Wednesday about a race. I was like, there's a triathlon. He told me the distance and the events, and it's four hours, and it's plenty of time for you to finish. So he knew that I biked and he knew that I ran, but he didn't know I couldn't swim. I said, I'm, I'm going to do it next year. I'll come down. I'll do it next year. So I couldn't lie to him. So I joined um, a cycling club, bought a road bike, and I learned how to swim. So if it wasn't for him, I probably would still be like, mm, want to do a triathlon, but I'm scared to do it. Because I'm scared to swim. I'm scared to fail. Fear of being perfect can cause you not to try things. I didn't want to try try doing triathlons because I couldn't swim. And as I trained for my first race, overcoming that fear of swimming, I still have fear of open water. It consumed me. When I trained for my first long course race, 70.3, which consists of a swim that's 1.2 miles, a bike that's 56 miles, and a run 13.1 miles. I was consumed with fear that I wouldn't finish. I would get what's called a DNF, which do not finish. And it consumed me. It's like some nights I couldn't even sleep. I had nightmares about it. I got to the point that I was stressed and I wasn't even enjoying the process. I didn't have a life because all I did was work and train. So. This is supposed to be fun and a hobby, but it got to the point where it wasn't. I was able to finish my race and then I tackled the, the next <laughs> the next the next goal of doing a full distance Ironman, which is double that. 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, 26.2 mile run, all in one day. Man, most races. United States races out cut off between six, 16 and a half hours to 17 hours. And this was an enormous feat. And this fear consumed me too. I got into my old pattern of being consumed with the goal and not enjoying the process. Then I had this race where I did DNF. I went over time in the swim, but I kept going because I'm like, this was a practice race. And I like biking. So I was like, let me finish the race. Since it's a practice race, so I got on a bike. In my mind, I was still thinking about, I didn't finish the swim. Like, I can't believe I didn't finish the swim. And then it was really hot. And my nutrition at the time, I forget. It was some 
I was using all liquids and I got tired of drinking the taste. So I got behind in nutrition and I got behind in hydration. So I finished the bottle, but I overheated on the run. It was hot and the, the run was not shaded at all. So I ended up in the medical tent, the worst race I ever had. And that failure, I learned a lot. I met some great people at the race. One has actually been on the show, Khadija Diggs, and she'll be on again. She taught me a lot about how she prepares for a race. And I met Vaughn, or might have known Vaughn Miller. And I learned about how they prep. They're like pros in my book. I learned how they prep for a race. I learned that liquid, full and liquid nutrition doesn't work for me. Everybody has different things that work for them as far as triathlons and running and nutrition. And it's sometimes um, trial and error. And that was a lot of error that day. So I learned that DNF does not mean death. Like life goes on. You fear failure so much that it cripples you. So much that it causes you not to do things that you want to do, things that you may love to do, things that you may love. You fear failure so much that it cripples you. But when the thing that you fear happens and it's not that bad, it kind of empowers you. It wasn't that bad. So I can do anything that I want to do, anything that I desire to do. And if I don't succeed, if I don't reach that goal, I can adjust my goals. I can try again. It's not the end of the world. So that race kind of empowered me and, and freed me. And, and I finished my Ironman race, Ironman Louisville. I so hate that it's no longer a race because I want to do it again. But it freed me. And I enjoy the process more. And I really appreciate the fact that I can do some of the things that I can do. I was down about, I had knee surgery after um, a skiing race and I'm gradually getting back into training and back into skiing. My knee's getting better. I was a little uh, concerned because it's been a year and I'm still having some issues. But I, I ask a lot of my knee because I do a lot of things. I enjoy facing my fears. I enjoy now. I enjoy adventurous. I enjoy challenges. I I still want to be not perfect, but as good as I can be. But I I want to have fun. Life is short, and need, uh, so we might as well enjoy the process while we're here. After both my parents died, and actually around that time, like two thousand eight. That's when my mom passed in 2014, so my dad passed. And as we get older and people pass, people that you wouldn't expect, people in the college with me, people in high school with me, because even though I'm older, I still think I'm young. But as I grow older, I realize that life is precious and we're only here for a certain amount of time. So seize the day. Enjoy life. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy people. Love people. If it's something that you want to do, do it. You may fail. It's okay. It's joy in the journey. And I'm sure if you do fail, 
know, something you learn from the process. So don't always aim for perfection. Do the best you can. Aim for excellence, but don't get to the point that you want to be so perfect that you're scared to do anything. Enjoy the journey. Learn from me. Whether it be in an athletic endeavor, whether it be a professional endeavor, whether it be a relationship, take a chance. Go for it. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email runitischeaperthantherapyolbomahalovebrown. Again, that's runitischeaperthantherapyolbomahalovebrown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. OUI Life, OUI Love. Thank you, and please tune in again.